Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Ryan, have you ever thought about tweeting out that you're going to have a vasectomy or that <laughs> live tweeting a vasectomy? You know what? I think about that often. Yeah, I think that would be a great idea. Wow, are you secretly Scott Hartnell? <laughs> Wait, hold on. Did that happen? There is a tweet from 9.03 a.m. today where Scott Hartnell said, I only know one legend that has live tweeted his vasectomy, wondering if I should do the same this morning. Thoughts, Tick Taylor? Hashtag beauty. <laughs> what? I don't know. Oh, my God. And now <laughs> someone, oh my God, someone, I'm just now looking at his Twitter. Someone said, we, we could broadcast it if you want. He says, more nervous for this than Stanley Cup playoff game. Hashtag snip snip. Hashtag no more swimmers. <laughs> no more swimmers. <laughs> Scott Hartnell is a treasure. What a treasure. The most hated man in Pittsburgh and just a, a Philadelphia legend right there. Had apparently going to live tweet a vasectomy. Just, oh my God. What, what a thought right there. And also, I think it's just ballsy to even broadcast to the world that you're getting a vasectomy. I mean, hey, you know more power to you, but it's uh, it's an interesting choice. I think it's smart because like vasectomy, like if you don't want kids anymore, like... Just get a vasectomy. And it's reversible, isn't it? Can't they reverse a vasectomy? That's at least what sitcoms have told me. Yeah. So, like, and even if that's not true, like, if you just don't want any more kids, but you still want to, you know, like, get down, then, like, there you go. There's your solution. And you don't have to worry about having any offspring. It's true. It's true. And and nobody wants to come out and play with the offspring there. But I, I think both <laughs> the office and Seinfeld have told me about reversing a vasectomy and yeah. the, the office. I always think of the, the famous dinner party episode where Michael Scott starts going snip, snap, snip, snap. <laughs> I've not seen that episode. So all right, oh my I God, have to admit, I've only seen like five full episodes of the office. Oh, wow. That's a, I mean, you know, it's, it, it is a, a unique comedy style that uh certainly is not for everybody but uh that is one of the great moments and and people who are familiar with the office definitely know the moment i'm talking about where uh, steve carell is talking about having a vasectomy and then having it reversed and then having it again and he goes snip snap snip snap which is something he he improvised on the set of that scene well that's the thing about the office is like from what i've seen like the humor is right down my alley like i love the humor and I think it's hilarious, but my problem is like, it has to be a very specific type of show to hold my attention and make me want to keep coming back to it. 
And that's why I feel like the only TV shows I can watch are like dramas where I'm like, holy shit, I need to know what happens next. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I feel like The Office, it's just kind of like a running funny thing. And it's like, yeah, it's funny, but like there's nothing that like keeps me going back to you to it, like from a storyline perspective. I mean, there are storylines in the early seasons that could yeah. probably do that, but it's, you know, at the same time, it is a comedy. I, I, I'm kind of a, I don't want to call myself a comedy aficionado because that's far from the truth, <laughs> but I have definitely watched a fair share of comedy programs. But regardless, coming back to the, the cutting question at hand here, <laughs> just, I, I did not expect to see this tweet from Scott Hartnell this morning, especially with everything going on in the hockey world. So uh, great job diverting from some of the other storylines out there. Hartsy. <laughs> there's so much happening and there's so much to talk about hockey wise. And he's talking about vasectomies and it's just, you know what? I'm just proud of him. I'm proud of him. Yeah, <laughs> he's, absolutely. he's completely still the Scott Hartnell that we all came to know and love. He's never changed, and I will say, I love the fact that the one Pittsburgh Penguins fan that I I dare to call a friend, uh, Pittsburgh Steve, as I've uh, long referred to on the show, Pittsburgh Steve absolutely loathes Scott Hartnell. And if he, he has said before, he'll quit being a Penguins fan if Scott Hartnell joins the organization in any way. And I said, that's a bit extreme, my man, a bit extreme. Yeah, I I mean, I think if he were to join the uh, organization, he says that. But if Scott Hartnell were to join the organization, I feel like he'd come to really enjoy him. Sure. He's a blast. Yeah, he's a fun guy. A he fun would do the Hulk Hogan thing. That's why he probably hates him. He hates him for the Hulk Hogan thing. Yeah. That was the number one thing, I think, that drove people crazy. Yeah. Which is funny because, like, he didn't even, he, I mean, some weird dude was doing it to him and he did it back. So it's like, what do you want to do? I don't know. The, the guy who went in full Hulk Hogan penguins ensemble to every game i think it was uh malcomania is how he was called and oh I, I, I believe that person unfortunately passed away a few years ago but uh still like what what a, a bit they were committed to and that back and forth with scott hartnell was i think one of the top flyers playoff moments certainly of the past 10 years uh if not the, i don't know the past 20 years <laughs> there hasn't been that many oh you know what fan bit I miss the most are the green men that sat by the penalty box in Vancouver. Oh, yeah, that was a good time, which still is included in NHL video games, even though I don't I know. think that's a thing anymore. They still have them there. And like, I think I can't remember the reason. I think they like retired doing it because they were just like, yeah, like we have kids now and like we need to put them through college. <laughs> so like we stopped getting season tickets. I I think I read that somewhere that that was the reason. But like. I have to yeah, imagine season tickets right by the penalty box is pretty pricey at the end of the day. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Like your guaranteed time on TV, you know, like I feel like just that alone people would pay for, which is weird because like, like, I don't know, like I could I could care less if I were on TV. It, like if someone got a photo of me on TV, like, yeah, that would be cool and funny. But like, it's not like I'm trying to be on TV. I'm just trying to watch the game in full green man suit like Charlie Kelly, like just full green man suit. So you can't even like, you could say that's me on TV, but how can you prove it? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I can, I, people have quit less for less reasoning, you know? So to quit that for kids and having to, you know, actually afford to put them through college, that uh, is pretty damn good reasoning to quit the green men. And, you know, I don't think oh, Pittsburgh Steve's going to quit the Penguins if Hartsey ever joins the organization, no. but no. it probably won't happen. But 
I mean, at this rate, maybe Ron Hextall is going to just drive all the Pittsburgh Penguins, the actual Pittsburgh Penguins and the Penguins fans away as they had a heartbreaking round one loss to the New York Rangers. Oh, just just tragic, tragic loss. A very long suffering fan base of Pittsburgh hasn't had a championship in, in God, like a couple years. You really have to feel bad for them. Just kind of feel just terrible for them right now. No, we feel no sympathy towards Pittsburgh in any way, shape or form ever. And believe me, the only team that could make me glad the Rangers won in the first round of the playoffs this year is the Pittsburgh Penguins. The (laughs) only team they could have beaten that I'd be like, okay, thank God that happened. Yeah, I like it's hard to root for the Rangers ever, but like when it comes down to Rangers Penguins, I'm always taking the side of the Rangers just because I mean, you can't you you just can't do the you can't root for the other Pennsylvania team. That's just not how this works. Well, so especially I'm glad. since they've become such bitter rivals in the past like 15 years, basically since yeah. Crosby came into the league. I don't know. And like now with the hex all over there, it's just like, no, get the hell out of here, dude. And <laughs> Um, also I did want to, like when you brought up Hextall, I don't know if you saw this yesterday, someone tweeted, um, apparently the Penguins, AKA Hextall offered Malkin and Latang like super inexpensive contract extensions and apparently Crosby's pissed off now. Yes, I did. That's why I brought this up. That's why I said, uh, driving away the Penguins fans because that, and the actual Penguins, because he apparently, I think Rob Rossi was the one who reported this. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. Lowballed two of the Penguins legends right now. Like they are a hundred percent legends for that franchise. They've been there forever and they've helped them win multiple Stanley Cups. And to lowball them, I think Malkin makes, I don't know, around like nine million or so a season. Yeah. And uh, Latang is somewhere in like the seven, eight range. And to, to lowball them down to what is that? Five million AAV basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just insane. Like, I I totally understand. They are 35 years old. I looked this up. They're both 35 and they're certainly not going to get more productive in the next five years. Right. But they're still productive players. I know Malkin has been missing more and more time with injuries and such, but Latang is still the top pairing defenseman for the Penguins. And yeah to lowball him like that is just the balls on Ron Hextall over there. And we're not surprised by this. He got actually some great lowball contracts for the Flyers. Uh, Sean Couturier being the one that we're now paying for because we had to overpay him to compensate for that. But I, I digress. I have a conspiracy theory. So what if Ron Hextall joined the Penguins on purpose so he could tank them? For for the flyer, for the flyers. As long as this doesn't result in him getting them another Crosby, because that is certainly the worry when the league just gave them Sidney Crosby. He said, here you go. Here's a generational talent. That really is a fear of mine. Like thinking about how, what if next year they just all of a sudden become mysteriously not that great? Like, you know, what if one of Malkin and Latang, what if they leave? One of them leaves or both. I don't know. But like, what if the, one of them leaves and then... Like if Malkin ends up staying, he gets hurt because he's Malkin and that's he's just hurt all the time. And then Crosby gets hurt all the time. Like what if they just have like an uncharacteristically bad year and then they get lucky and win the lottery and they get fucking Connor Bedard? I would lose my mind. It's the worst thing I've ever heard. It would be so terrible. I'm now rooting for them to make the playoffs next season. Next season, they need to make the playoffs. 
we actually already know who's getting Connor Bedard, and it's going to be the New Jersey Devils because they just lucked <laughs> into the first pick like every other year now. Is this the first time we've done a, an episode since the uh, draft lottery? Oh my god! I, I, folks, just for full candor here, I pulled my back a couple days ago and hadn't really had a chance to dive down and make a full proper sheet. So we're really winging this one, and yeah, we haven't had a chance to talk about the draft lottery and the Flyers getting totally screwed down to the fifth overall pick. They were the fourth worst team and they ended up with the fifth pick. The New Jersey Devils catapult their way to the second pick. And just this franchise, this lucky ass shit franchise that shouldn't even exist because why does there need to be three, three teams in the New York metropolitan area? I am considering Newark part of that. Move that team, dissolve that franchise. Scott Stevens is a war criminal. Good night and good hockey. Dude, I I hate the Devils so much right now. Like they are just, like I just don't understand how they're getting this lucky every year. Like I I know there's no way the NHL's rigging it because like they literally do like they show the full drawing of the balls in like a a video. I think they post it on YouTube or something like that. Like you can see them draw the balls, so you know it's not staged or rigged or anything like that. But in my head, I keep wondering if it's like they have to be doing something to those fucking balls to like make it come out a certain way. And I feel like they just, the NHL just wants the devils to be relevant again. And that's what this is. And I don't know why, but dude, it's just, it's killing me. And I hate the fact that they're probably gonna get fucking Slavkovsky now, or they might get Shane Wright because now all of a sudden Shane Wright isn't necessarily a slam dunk number one overall pick. Yeah, Shane Wright turned into Nolan Patrick, and that's how what? And everybody's scared of having the next Nolan Patrick after what happened with the Flyers, and who can blame them? That's still one of the, the biggest disappointments I've had in sports, period. That I mean, yeah, easily. But still, like, let's pretend they get Shane Wright. Like, someone, let's say Slavkovsky goes number one, Wright goes number two. They're going to have Nico Heischer, um... Jack Hughes and Shane Wright as their like top nine at center, which yeah. is just stupid. Yeah, it is stupid. And I, I really hate that Jack Hughes is really finding his game and yeah. really starting to show the promise that he had when drafted. He was great last year. I had him on my, my fantasy hockey team and I just sat there and was like, wow, he's really coming together. And I hate that, but ah, God damn it. You know, and then they'll probably move one of those guys over to wing and it'll just be a stacked top six. And yeah. then they'll catapult over the flyers and then we'll just cry softly. I don't know about softly, Steve. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to be sobbing. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. uh, What's that lyric from that <laughs> from that one uh, uh, dead Kennedy song? Uh, cry like a baby from Eraserhead. <laughs> like, I'm going to just be screaming, just crying. <laughs> There you go. That's the way to do it. Go big or go home right there. It's just, it's disappointing to see the Flyers end up with the fifth overall pick here. I know it's not the most spectacular draft, and I know next year is definitely a much bigger draft anticipation-wise. Bedard is such a a fantastic prospect, and Shane Wright is really just kind of a he feels like a consolation prize, essentially. He's still a very good hockey player, and there, we talked about this a bit when we did the, the live reaction show the other day, and 
I just, I don't know. There's nobody that's really going to immediately help the Flyers. There's some pretty good names out there, but nobody that is just a slam dunk, somebody that can help the Flyers today. Yeah, no. I feel like, honestly, the only player who I think could do that would be Slavkovsky, and I feel like he's bound to go one or two now. Everything I've seen has him going in the top three. Yeah, like, I know there was some hope previously that he would maybe get to five there's no way he's getting to five i would be blown away if he gets to five but there i mean that's not to say there aren't some good prospects though like i know matt savoy is really good he's got some good um a lot of really good skill on him i know there's brad lambert i know a lot of people are really interested in him and i don't know like there's some good simon nemich he's a defenseman from um uh oh god not the czech republic um slovakia just like Slavkovsky is they're built they were both at the olympics together and nemich didn't really do much when he was there he hardly played but like still to be on the olympic team at 17 years old is pretty crazy and i know he's having a really good postseason overseas right now so um i don't know there's some good prospects it's just like none of them like none of them are going to even sniff the nhl for at least a few years so it's a bummer right. Which is one of the most frustrating things about the NHL draft inherently is the fact that you generally aren't seeing these guys for a couple years. I think it's both the NHL and baseball where, yeah, you can draft a guy, but he's got to develop and it usually takes a couple years for these guys to develop. And it kind of just sucks to... Especially when you're in a position like the Flyers, where you want to believe in this franchise again, and you, you want this franchise to do well, and to draft a guy and not see him for a couple of years, it's really frustrating. Yeah. Well, I'll say this. For people worried about, like, oh, the Flyers aren't going to get anyone very good at number five or whatever. The year the Flyers drafted Nolan Patrick, number two, you know who went number five that year? Don't Elias Pettersson. Oh, my God. Ugh. You are just opening up some wounds right here, Ryan, because people think about that draft constantly. And- it's, it's an open wound, but it also provides hope for this draft that maybe, just maybe, the Flyers could fall ass backwards into picking someone really, really, really good at number five. It's true. And, I mean, I like what I've heard about Nemich and some of these other guys. Who's the guy? Cutter. One of the guys had the first name Cutter, which sounds like a pirate. I'm kind of into that. <laughs> I don't even know that guy. Cutter? Cutter. I, I got to look this up now. But Yeah, uh, now I'm looking at it up, too. Yeah. Uh, Savoy, I've heard some good stuff about. I, I would certain Cutter Goth- Gauthier. Gauthier. Interesting. Watch the pronunciations. Like, uh, just something that I would never even think about. Like, Coute. Kute Gauthier. Yeah, he's eligible for this. I've never even heard of this dude. All I know is, and I did a quick perusal of, I think it was a Corey Pronman article on that, the porn man. I just remember it said he had a high end shot and his name is Cutter. So that's, I'm cool with that because he's just, that's, that's a badass combo right there. That is a cool combo. I like that. And that's something that I think the Flyers could use. Someone named Cutter and someone with a good shot, and he fills both of those holes. I'm trying to think about what other kind of name that we could pair with him, and then we could have them be called the Cutting Crew. I'm not even sure what kind of... Something with a blade, so we could have the Cutting Crew, but it's, uh, that's just a pipe dream of mine to have... Uh, an called 80s. The Butcher. The Butcher. There you go. Yeah, slicing meat. Well, no, no, no. I want the Cutting Crew. I want that, that, that classic 80s band right there. 
Who else? Who <laughs> who would be part of the cutting crew? I don't know. There has to be somebody like Jordan Blade or some <laughs> more creative Z- name than that. Zade Wisdom is almost Blade, but with a Z. Mm. Well, maybe he should just change his name to Blade then. You know what? He really should. He needs to stop being so selfish. You know, some motherfuckers always trying to ice skate uphill. <laughs> always. Never, <laughs> never fails. One of the great film quotes for those not familiar with the first Blade movie from, what, 98 or so? Never seen Blade, I gotta be honest. Oh, buddy, buddy, Blade is a good time. <laughs> I, he I says, have a lot of catching up to do with you movies, really do. I really do. You really do. He says some motherfuckers always trying to ice skate uphill. One of the great quotes of all time. <laughs> I wonder, like... Now, now I was going to say, I feel like skating uphill like could be done, but it would. No, I'm not, just going to stop talking now. That would be <laughs> that would be incredibly difficult. That's exactly what the quote's about. It's incredibly yeah. difficult. It's all I would not do well. Do. Like in my head, I'm just like, oh, I could do that. Like thinking about it. But then I'm just like, wait a minute. I don't think like if I think harder for a second, which I have a hard time doing, then um, yeah, that would be impossible. Listen, Blade is a a wise vampire man, half vampire man, and just don't let him do your taxes, and you're good. <laughs> never, 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 never. TurboTax, baby. Never let Wesley Snipes do your taxes. That's the only advice I can give you in this life. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight, we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of skating uphill, you know who was skating uphill a couple weeks ago, or in the last couple weeks? Washington Capitals. (laughs) 
really they just couldn't get up that hill. Stretching that one out there. That was a that was a rough that was a rough segue. I appreciate the dedication <laughs> to the craft there, and yeah, I, I really thought the Capitals were. We're gonna forget that one happened, Steve. Nah, it's okay. I've heard worse. The Capitals, <laughs> they really they gave the Panthers their all, and I think a lot of people thought they were gonna pull it out for a bit there because they have that playoff experience at this point, and because they were. I don't know. It's they've got Alex freaking Ovechkin. You know they're yeah. they're they're a good team, but ultimately the Panthers just scored too damn much, and Claude Giroux specifically scored too damn much to Dude, hold them down anymore. He looked so good the whole series, and like there's still people on Twitter saying like, "Oh, he's not doing enough." I'm like, "What are you talking about? What are you watching right now?" He was so good the whole series. That pass to set up the game winner in overtime in Game Six. Oh. <laughs> My Lord, I was screaming at the TV. I almost just set something on fire to celebrate. <laughs> I mean, Drew and Verhage are already a just a, a stunning companion right there. Like a yeah. stunning pairing. They, they have been killing it together. And the moves they've been making. I mean, Drew had a deke in one, in one of his goals. It was just like, it was absurd. Oh, yeah. It was a classic Claude Giroux deke right there. Goalie just fell out of his skates. It was fantastic. And... To see him like this, to see him rejuvenated, to see the smile restored to Claude Giroux's face, it it, it sucks as a Flyers fan, but it's also kind of great because I have had not had anything positive to really watch with hockey in so long. To see something positive is such a, a nice turnabout. Yeah, and I need the Flyers, or the Flyers, I need the Panthers to keep playing well like this with him on the team. Like, I need them to make a deep, deep run this year because... I need him to stay on the Panthers because I don't trust, like we've heard all these reports of him possibly going to like Ottawa in the off season. I, that cannot happen. He needs to have so much fun in Florida that he stays there. He's winning jack shit. If he goes back to Ottawa, winning jack shit. If he goes back to Ottawa, absolutely no, nothing. He's not going to win anything. So it's just like, dude, stay in Florida. It's fun. Disney's there. The beach, there's no beach in Ottawa. And I mean, I feel like it's a great place for his kids to, to grow up and everything. I say well, stay in Florida and just like try and win a cup there. And like, he's clearly having some of the best fun he's ever had in his career right now. Like he, <laughs> he, he just looks completely rejuvenated. I cannot actually rec. I can't in good conscience say Florida is a good place to raise kids right now with just the, the bullshit going on in that state right now. It's a complete hellscape law wise going on. <laughs> yeah. There. So I, I cannot endorse Florida for that. Uh, go fuck yourself, Ron DeSantis. But <laughs> I will say I love his fit on the team. I love how much fun he's having on the team. Barkoff, Huberto, that is a team that's set up to win for years. Ekblad, they have so much good young talent. And how he's looked with Ferhagi and these plays they're making together, it's awesome. It really does bring a smile to my face, hockey-wise, for once. And I'm I'm happy to watch good hockey. I'm happy to enjoy these comebacks, the way to... To see them come back in those last two games and clinch the series like they did. they I thought they were dead in the water in I Game 5. They were down 3 yeah. nothing and came back and won that game. And then same thing in Game 6 where it, it felt early on like the Capitals really were going to you know, lock that game down. And then Claude Giroux himself really strapped that team in and he led them to victory. This entire first round was awesome. Like, I know, like, there were a couple of really rough series, like the Colorado series that wasn't even close ever. 
Sorry, Eamon. <laughs> but like, it was like, there were some really good, like, the, what was it? Five game sevens? Five game sevens, and the NHL actually tiered them out properly. I was amazed by this. Like, I got to sit there on Saturday and watch all three game sevens and not really have any overlap between them. It was awesome. Yeah, this is like one of my favorite hockey weekends that I've ever had because I literally like both days I just kind of chilled out and like, you know, I just watched game seven after game seven after game seven. and It was great. And I don't know, I I can only it's probably not going to happen. We don't see this many game sevens happen like that. But like, I hope the second round is half as good as the first one, because that first one was was just magic. And most of those game sevens were really good. Yeah, I think there were only a couple that kind of left me. Like, I know the Hurricanes-Bruins one, that wasn't amazing. And it still ended up 3-2. to two. Boston still made it close at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah, no, they did. Yeah, in the, the Toronto-Tampa one, that one was great. That was a great game. 2-1 to one, Tampa won that and just broke every heart of the Toronto Maple Leaf fan base yet again. What does Toronto have to do? Like, their team was so good all year long. And, like, they just keep running into these juggernaut teams in the first round, and they just can't beat them. I think they have to make a trade with the Philadelphia Flyers is what they have to do. Oh, you know what? That would be a good idea, Steve. You know, Ivan Provorov is going to really just solidify that defense. He's going to play 25 minutes a night. He's perfect. Yeah. And he, he handles media criticism so well. Oh, could you imagine him in Toronto? Oh, boy. The surly meter would would just break. The surly meter would break. You know what? We need a William Nylander in Philadelphia. Precisely one William Nylander. Yeah, give me that big baby head that he's got over there. (laughs) That uh, that photo of him wearing the glasses, think different. I don't know if I've seen that one. I'll have to look that up. But I, I just, every time I look at Nylander, there's something about his head that looks like a big baby with facial hair. I don't know what it is, but it's, he has a very youthful face. I feel like he does. He definitely does. Yeah. Toronto, man, they just cannot catch a break. And well, you know, Kyle Dubas, he's a genius. He's a genius. He'll figure it out. Five straight years in running. He hasn't figured it out. He's no, not folks. Yet. Kyle Dubas is very good. He's not a genius for signing the best free agent out there to a large contract. Okay. I do wonder because like at this point, the Maple Leafs, they like, they have to do something now, right? Like they can't run it back. They, they might on paper, honestly, like they kind of should because their team was objectively terrific this year. And they just had the unfortunate circumstance of having to face Tampa in the first round. This is the fifth year in a row. You have to change something at this point, don't you? Like, no matter how good they were, I feel like something has to change. The only excuse they could possibly have to change nothing is the fact that they were playing the defending champs. They were playing the Tampa Bay Lightning. And that is a really tough first round matchup. So to to lose to the Lightning in seven is... Really, I would have thought they would have changed something after losing to the Canadians. Like, that... That was an atrocious loss. They just should not have lost that series, even without... I think they're missing Riley and Tavares and they still should not have lost that series because Montreal has like 10 guys. Yeah. I was watching uh Steve Dangles like post game recap, um, which was legendary. He did a really good job on this one. And he was basically saying like, if you flip flopped, like where this year's series happened last year, 
and then the Montreal series happened this year, he would like if if it happened that way and they lost Montreal like this, he would say he said like yeah, fire everybody, like trade everyone. But like given the circumstance of this year, it's so hard to say that just because of how difficult their matchup was in the first round. So like I, I don't know what the Leafs are going to do. They're one of the more interesting. And I, I don't care about the Leafs really at all, but I'm going to be watching them like so closely this offseason just because it's going to be, I'm genuinely interested to see what happens with them. So the interesting thing is that if, if not for this stupid playoff format that the NHL insists on sticking with, I believe the Maple Leafs would have played the Bruins in the first round this year, which <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about losing in seven games. They lose the Bruins all the time in seven games, but <laughs> no, it's comedy. This year's, this year's Bruins team while they did give Carolina quite a fight, I don't know. I feel like Toronto might have had an easier time against the Bruins than the Lightning. The Lightning is such a, a difficult draw for the first round this year. Yeah, I feel like the Lightning are just way more deep than Boston is. And that's not to say Boston is like Boston's obviously very good, but I feel like Toronto, like Toronto beat the shit out of Boston a few times this year. So it's just like, I, I feel like they would have done a much better job against them. Like when you're facing a team as stacked as Tampa, there's just you no matter how good your season was it's going to be extremely extremely difficult taking them down and i just yeah i I had a feeling i think everyone kind of had a feeling this was going to happen and i know a lot of maple leafs fans are like really down about this series loss and like which i get because they haven't won a playoff series since what 2004 but (laughs) (laughs) at the same time it's just like dude like there's literally no harm in losing to tampa it's fine like and you you can't say that to leafs fans because they're like on the brink of just going insane but it's true if they face boston i think they win and i think they move on to the second round but like that's just a fantasy world scenario it is and uh you know that's that's a shame what is a shame is that Wayne Simmons has to potentially wait another year. Oh, Wayne Simmons. The only guy I feel really, really bad for. I guess I feel bad for Marner, too, because he was carjacked, which is terrible. But Dude, it has nothing that is to do with, crazy. It has nothing to do with losing in hockey. I don't feel bad for him hockey-wise, but I feel very bad for him personally-wise. Yeah. He personally does seem wise. like... I do kind of feel bad for Mitch Marner hockey-wise, too, though, because like he has to deal with so much shit. And like he's a like very good player. And I don't know. I feel like in Toronto, that's a really, really tough market to be in for someone like him. Oh, for sure. For sure. And that that is such a stacked team talent-wise. Nylander's great. Marner's great. Austin Matthews might be one of the best goal scorers we've ever seen. Yeah. Tavares. We have Tavares up there who, like, I know he's, like, not exactly in his prime anymore, but he's still good. He's still very and, good, yeah. Yeah. And then Morgan Riley's really good. Dude, Jack Campbell. I love Jack Campbell, man. Like, soup. I've always been a big fan of Campbell. Yeah, Mr. Wet Food is... He, some nights he's very, very good. <laughs> you call him Mr. Wet Food? I just called him that now because there's a... <laughs> there, there's just, so, a, anybody familiar with uh, Tim Robinson from I Think You Should Leave? He had a brief, very briefly short-lived uh, sitcom on Comedy Central called Detroiters, which was him and Sam Richardson uh, as, working as ad executives in Detroit. And... <laughs> security guard of their building one time they come down and he goes hey i got a great pitch for you campbell soup it's just wet ass food (laughs) which always cracks my shit up and yes that's why i called him wet food just now 
I mean, it is what it is, you know? He's calling it the way, I mean... He's calling it literally like wet food makes it's sense. Wet-ass food. I get it. I get it. Yeah, I, I like Campbell. I like a lot of those guys on the team, but, like, the Lightning just are, are very good. I don't know what... I don't envy Kyle Dubas trying to make these decisions going into the offseason, especially no. yeah. with so much salary already dedicated to their top guys. It's, it's really tough to work on the role players when you really don't have much room... <laughs> believe me we know very well about not having much cap room to sign uh extra help for the team but that's i don't know i don't know what they're gonna do and you know we, we're laughing about the penguins losing to the rangers and i don't know what they're gonna do either because they have a lot of guys that are gonna be free agents and uh we know how ron hextall really is with finding talented guys to stick around right <laughs> to sign to be hockey players today it's not a great track record but who knows what he'll do with uh schittsburg over there now the hurricanes and bruins series we talked about that the canes really should have won the series a little bit easier boston gave them a tough time i mean boston a very talented team they literally have a line that's called the perfection line uh whether you adhere to that or not i think it's uh i refuse to call them that but many people do say that and they're a talented team, but I think Carolina should have won this a little bit more convincingly. But hey, they won. That's all that matters at the end of the day. I had Carolina winning in five. And then I guess I just didn't take into account how like I know Boston isn't exactly a nice place to play if you're on another team. Like it's they do have a little bit of a home ice advantage there. So like I should have taken that into account a little bit. But like I definitely didn't expect it going to s- seven, even with that taken into account. I thought they were going to win in like five or six still. And it's just like, yeah, I don't know. I I think I I just, I just don't think Carolina quite has that home ice advantage quite yet. Like I know they, they are known as being like a loud bunch, like bunch of jerks or whatever, but like, are they up there as like a home ice thing? I don't think so quite yet, but I mean, both teams want all their games at home. So I don't know something's going on at home that's uh that's for sure but yeah carolina i again i i respect what they built there but i just i never think about this team really being the team to go over the top to have the the talent to really go to that next level but maybe they'll prove me wrong this season yeah i feel like they're one of those teams that has like they don't have like one super like huge superstar guy like if they did have that guy, it would be I guess it would be Sebastian Aho. But like I wouldn't quite put him up there as like a you know like definitely not a Sidney Crosby or Ovechkin type dude. You know what I mean? For sure. But at the same like they still have a lot of really good players though, like Svechnikov, Aho, Taravainen, um, Jacob Slavin, and like it just I feel like they're a really complete team and they just play their game so well. And then obviously Rod Debat is their coach, like you know you're gonna he's 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 doing such a good job with that team where it's just like they just they play their they do their job very very well and um i don't know i feel like they're one of those like sneaky teams where it's there's no one guy that'll really break you it's really just like a certain line or just like a certain group of guys that that can change a series for them so that's what makes it a little harder to like kind of be totally on board with them yeah, they're deep. They have a good system that they play. It's just, I don't know. I don't find them exciting from the outside perspective necessarily. Yeah. Now, they, they get the Rangers in the second round. And this is a matchup that 
I am picking them at five <laughs> right now. Like, I really don't like this matchup for the Rangers. This is not a good matchup for the Rangers, who barely beat the Penguins. I mean, barely. That was a tight series, and the Penguins were missing Sidney Crosby for two games, and he came yeah. back for the last one, and say what you will about him coming back, but he was there, and they also faced Louis... Lou, is it Louis Domingue? Louis Domingue, yeah. Louis Domingue. They faced Louis Domingue, who was in the minors for most of the season, for half this series, and they barely won. I, I don't have any faith in the Rangers advancing beyond the Carolina Hurricanes. I wanted to ask you, because this is going to be an interesting series for you, because obviously rooting for the Rangers isn't necessarily... Like, you don't want to root for the Rangers. No, absolutely. But I know you don't want to root for Tony D'Angelo either. So, like, what is this? This is like a crossroads situation for you, I feel like. Unfortunately, my my hate for the New York Rangers is going to win out over my hate for Tony D. Because it's the New York Rangers, man. I can't be happy for the New York Rangers. No friggin' way. At least, like, for the Rangers, it's a whole an entire team that you hate for the pa- or Panthers for the Carolina hurricanes. It's just that one dude. So like, right, right. yeah, I guess you can just kind of be like, Oh, okay. Well like, let's get rid of the, the team that I hate now. And then you guys can fuck off in the, you know, the conference final. Now here's the interesting question though. Should I be rooting for the Rangers to beat the hurricanes? Just so if Claude Giroux and the Florida Panthers come out over the Tampa Bay Lightning, they Ooh. have an easier opponent to get to the Stanley Cup final. That's a great question. Did I just talk myself into rooting for the Rangers? Dude, I think you did, and I think you talked me into it, too. Like, that's not the worst idea. I would kind of like that a lot, because the Panthers would beat the shit out of the Rangers. Oh, for sure. The Panthers and the Rangers, really, that that's... I don't think the Car- Carolina Hurricanes and the... I think the Rangers are the biggest pretender of these four teams left in the East right now, by yeah. a mile. Yeah, and because, like, we saw what happens when Shesterkin's not, like, doing crazy Jedi mind trick stuff in net. Like, they're just... The Rangers are not that good a team. I, like, I really... Like, do you think they make the playoffs if Shesterkin isn't as good as he is? Like, they're just... Like, maybe they still do, but they are not, um, I don't know. They're just not that great. Yeah, I don't I don't know if they make the playoffs. I think they make it just because the, the Islanders were not that good this year. And, like, the Rangers had, <laughs> the Islanders had 84 points. The Rangers had 110 points. So, <laughs> there's a big difference there. And I think they might still make it just due to the, the, gap in talent between the best teams in the East and the worst teams. But regardless, their defense is really shit outside of Adam Fox. And I mean, they've got, they've got offensive capabilities. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Panarin, when he's lighting it up is one of the best in the league, but I just don't think they have it in them. And I can't imagine Carolina is going to lose this series, but I've seen more shocking things happen. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like anything's possible with this series. I'm rooting for Carolina in this one, but um, I think I've decided like, yeah, I just can't root for the Rangers, even if it does make for an easier matchup for Giroux. I just, it's it's the New York Rangers. The filling New York rivalry is too strong. I cannot be happy for New York teams. Yeah. Unless the pit, unless Pittsburgh's involved, there's no rooting for New York. Yes. And that was, believe me, I called this the go banana series because I did not want either team to win. And I just, 
if, if a sinkhole could have opened, well, no, I don't want to say that, but I don't know if just, <laughs> all, I don't know. A fog comes over these players and they all just say, I'm not going to play hockey anymore. And the owners say, I'm going to dissolve these franchises. That would be the best case scenario. I didn't want to see either team advance, but I kind of was happier that it was the New York team rather than the Pittsburgh team. Ultimately, just because the flyers penguins rivalry is so just hate filled over the past 15 years or so. But yeah. So moving to the other matchup, the Panthers and the lightning, this one is this is going to be some damn good hockey. This is just going to be balls to the wall. Just, you know, exciting offensive hockey right here. This is the series that gets me nervous for Giroux, just because like we were talking about, like Tampa is still so unbelievably stacked and dude, Steve Eiserman, like, does he get some sort of like anything for the championships that they won? Because he needs to get something because he's pretty much been the architect for these teams, even though he's no longer the GM, but he got all the key pieces in place there. Yeah, no, he did it all. Yeah. He was, I mean, he just did God's work putting this team together and like, he still has his fingerprints all over this team and God, man, I just beating Tampa is so, so hard to do. And I know like the Panthers have the firepower to do it. Like we've seen them. They had like one of the most dangerous. I think they might've been the most dangerous offense in the NHL this year. Like they can score it well, but man, like when you have a team as deep and as good as Tampa, it's going to be real, real tough. Oh yeah. It's I, I don't even know. I, I really think offhand, this is probably going to go seven and I have no idea which team's going to come out on top I do know that Florida is going to have to dig down deep. Tampa's been there the past couple of years, and I know playoff experience can be a little bit overrated, but I mean, they've been in these high pressure situations. That's part of why Florida wanted to go out and get a guy like Giroux, because he's one of the few guys that you can get that has succeeded in these high pressure situations. And he was the guy who led them to victory in those last couple of games in Washington or against Washington there. So Drew's really going to have to be a key part of it. And I know Bobrovsky's got to get his shit together. Yeah. Like Bob needs to bring his a game. Um, He's just been way too inconsistent. And like, you can't, this is not the kind of team you can be inconsistent against. Like you have got to be on your like tip top performance against Tampa. And I don't know. I, I, I think part of me is also nervous because I know they lost to Tampa last year in six games. So it's like, I don't know. I guess I just the fact that they lost to Tampa so recently, it makes me think, oh, they're just going to lose again. But like, I think the Panthers are better this year than they were last year. And a big part of that is Claude Giroux. Yeah, no, Claude Giroux is definitely a big part. And then they have some good young guys. Like I know Anton Lundell's a really good piece. And um, Mason, I believe Mason Marchment is a new player on the team. I can't remember, but um they got i mean both teams have really good players like from top to bottom and it's just i don't know i'm just i'm so nervous whenever Tampa's involved i'm petrified i'm terrified because they are just so good and they have the capability to just pound you um and i think i don't know if if florida can get off to a really good start then i'll be over the moon about it tampa's the back-to-back champs they of course you'd be nervous you know they they've won it they've been there yeah yeah, and I just I feel like they're still good enough that they could win it a third time in a row. Like I really feel like a three-peat could happen. And I just don't I just don't want Giroud to have to 
you know, deal with that. Oh, for sure. I don't want him to have to. I I just want him to win a cup and be happy. Right. If he wins a cup Not this year, I, I could just rest happy that it could. You know, he can go to Ottawa and do whatever the fuck he wants after this because he won his cup. It well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I know that if he doesn't win it this year, there's that like slight possibility that he could never win one because there's that chance that he could go to Ottawa. It's just like, dude, like just win the cup first and then you can go to Ottawa, but well, don't I, go there until you win. I don't think he's going number one. I don't know if he's going to Ottawa. I, I feel like this is just so much speculation based on, you know, I know hometown yeah. team and everything, but I don't think he's going to Ottawa. If he hasn't won a cup, I think he's definitely going to spend his next couple of years. I, I mean, given how much he likes Florida, I could see him signing a, a reasonable contract to stay for a couple of years to stay with this group until he does win one. And that would be wise, I think, on on both parties' parts. But, yeah, this is just the toughest series that's going to happen. I reluctantly say Panthers in seven, but uh, this is a coin flip. Yeah, I I hate saying this, but I'm going to take Tampa in seven. It's... It probably will happen because it's just this series is a coin flip. These are two great teams, and this is just going to be a knockdown drag out war between these two. Do you think this is the start of the next great rivalry in hockey? That's interesting. Just given the reputation for the Florida fan base, I know Tampa hasn't really had any, uh, they have a great fan base and they have for a while, even though a lot of people will shit on it because it's Florida. But I mean, the Panthers fan base, a lot has been said. So it'd be a shame to have one of the great rivalries wasted between, uh, I guess, well, yeah, I don't want to shit too much on Panthers fans, but, you know, they weren't really there until recently. Anyway, uh, it could be. It certainly could be. These two teams play the hell out of each other and score a ton of points. It's like watching 80s hockey when they get together. Yeah. And I remember, like, the Tampa-Florida series last year was chippy. Like, like off-the-wall chippy. And I'm kind of hoping that happens again for this series just because, like, I don't know. I just want it to be fun. I want it to be, like, I feel like this is going to be the kind of series – like almost similar to the Penguins Flyers series back in what, what like 11, 12. I yeah, feel like, yeah. I feel like it's possible that it could be like that level of just like cracked out of its mind. Oh, sure. And I mean, I don't know if anything's reaching that level again. That was the most absurd series I can remember for yeah. an NHL playoff series. If you think back to the stuff that happened there, it, just stuff that shouldn't happen. Danny Briere's <laughs> offside goal. Ilya Brizgalov basically being an empty shell of a goaltender. <laughs> it was just all ridiculous. Uh, Flurry playing the worst series of his entire career. Yeah. Yeah. Just chaos was in the air for that series. And I, I, I miss it. I like to think about it sometimes and I miss it. There, I don't think there'll ever be anything as chaotic as that again. Would be nice though. Would be nice. It would be nice. Now in the West, we've got, uh, I, I would say not quite as exciting matchups right here. Now the, the let's start with the, the Canadian off. So the, the Calgary flames, again, both the flames and the Oilers are coming off game seven wins. And the flames had a much, much closer game seven than the Oilers. I was actually really surprised by how much trouble the flames had with the Dallas stars and yeah. Ottinger, my God, 
the performance. I was about to say, me. I don't know if they had so much trouble with the stars as much as they just did with Jake Ottinger. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, Ottinger was just... just doing like voodoo shit in that that night. And I remember, I think it was um, uh, Luongo, Roberto Luongo, came on Twitter and he was just like, "Yeah, this shouldn't be possible right now. <laughs> like, what he's doing, this is just out of like not. You don't see this ever. What a shot differential in that game." Absolutely absurd shot differential. 67 shots for the Calgary Flames. 28 with overtime for the Dallas <laughs> Stars. Not even close. And just Ottinger just... I, I, It's a shame he had to lose that game, but the Flames were clearly the better team by a mile. Yeah, he'll be. He's he's a young goalie. He'll be back. So like, I don't feel bad for him at all. Like clearly, he's about to become like the you know the next number one goalie in Dallas, and. I don't know. He'll have his time in the limelight again, but um, I'm stoked that the flames will, I needed the flames to win because with them winning, that gave us the ability to see one of the more exciting series of this playoffs, which is coming up. We'll, we'll talk about it a little later on, but yeah, that was, and it was Goudreau future flyer, Johnny Goudreau scoring the OT winner. <laughs> God willing uh, that will happen, but yeah, Goudreau won it and you love to see that. Now, the, the Oilers, on the other hand, also had a seven-game series, but they really just did not play to their capability. Not that we're completely surprised by that, because that's classic Oilers yeah. right there. And they just barely beat an up-and-coming t- Kings team. And, well, the Kings team is, is so interesting, because you have those the old heads there, and you also have the young up-and-coming kids. And there's not that much in between, not much yeah. you know, guys in their prime, really. And to see that combination really give the Oilers such trouble was a uh, was pretty shocking and certainly made people who bet on the Oilers for an easy series win pretty nervous. Yeah, it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next round when they face a team that's like a little more, you know, not not like overly old and inexperienced, if that makes sense. Like that makes seeing them sense. play players who are like in the middle of their prime. It, it'll, I don't know. It'll be fun to see that. Unless Calgary just completely dies on defense and in net. I don't see any way the Oilers really make it out of this series. I, I Well, I can't say that too much because it really depends on Connor McDavid, the best goddamn player in hockey really just strapping up and taking carrying his team on his back if one guy's capable of it it's mcdavid and dry but yeah it's i just i can't imagine edmonton really winning this series i think calgary's too stacked the stars gave them a tougher time than expected but at least you know ottinger had such a great series that you can pin it on that the Oilers have Mike Smith, who in hockey terms is 87 years old in there. <laughs> He's basically hobbling on a cane, doing whatever he can. The Flames are going to score on that guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like he's, I don't know, like when it comes down to the goalie battle, like Markstrom is light years ahead of Mike Smith. Like light Mike years. Smith is just, he's clearly past his prime. He's not what he used to be. Um, I, like people, some people still talk about Mike Smith like he's, um, the 2011 version. And I'm like, dude, what are you talking? Like, what are you watching right now? He's like, I don't know. I, I don't think Mike Smith has it like in, in him. I hate saying that. Cause like any, I guess any goalie can have it in them at any time. Cause goalies are voodoo. But um, I just don't think at this point, the Oilers have enough to beat a very complete team in Calgary. Like Calgary has goaltending, they have defense and they sure as hell have scoring. 
And I know, you know, Edmonton has McDavid and Dreisaitl, but that's even that, I just don't, I don't know if that's enough to beat Calgary in seven games. Well, you can defend McDavid and Dreisaitl if you really concentrate on it. And that's how we've seen them shut down as teams really just focus in on them and try to deny every opportunity for them. And it was, it was a relief from a general hockey fan perspective to see McDavid really carry his team to victory in game seven and score that unbelievable, uh, was the second goal in the game? Just real, just badass goal for McDavid. So it was nice to see that, but that team's just not deep enough to take them to the promised land ultimately. No. Yeah. Like I know they have. And also like, I feel like no one, like there aren't enough people talking about this. Uh, fuck Evander Kane. Yeah. Fuck like, Evander Kane. we can, <laughs> he cannot win this series. Like there's like a very good reason. Like, listen, I would love to see McDavid make a deep run, but like, sorry, dude. First of all, you need to get traded. Second of all, <laughs> you need to be, you need to be off a team with Evander Kane because like, I can't, sorry, I can't root for that dude. What a scummy signing by them. It's the, the two scummy signings of the playoffs right here. The Tony D'Angelo signing and the Evander Kane signing, which sadly has worked out really well for the Oilers. He's been, you know, a, a pretty nice piece for them uh, hockey wise, but just, man, that guy sucks. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised. I hate that both of those signings have worked out tremendously for both teams. It really just sickens you. Yeah. No, it's not what you like to see. It's not what you like to see. And I know the blues certainly didn't want to see the Colorado avalanche in their second round because <laughs> my God was Colorado good against the predators. They just destroyed the predators. They made the preds look like a minor league team. And the blues actually did a lot better than I expected against the wild. I actually was really surprised they handled them as handily as they did, but this is just a different level. Yeah, no, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Like I shouldn't feel this way because I like, honestly, I feel like the avalanche are going to win the cup. I think they're, this is their year. I feel like they're definitely good enough. Um, but for some weird reason in my head, I feel like the blues are actually going to give them like a decent fight in this series. I feel like it's going to go to six games. Like Colorado is going to win, but I feel like they're going to put up a much, much better fight than Nashville did. I thought the Blues were going to get creamed in their fir- in, against Minnesota in the first round. I didn't think they were going to make it out. And then they just played a really good, solid series. And I don't know. I feel like if they put together a couple good games, I feel like they could really give uh, Colorado some problems. They could give Colorado some problems. They have to stick to their system. And we saw this when the Flyers first played Colorado this season. And it seemed like for a bit, the Flyers were going to hang with them. And then all of a sudden, Colorado just kept pouring it on. They did not stop. And they are just such a talented hockey team that if you sleep on them for even a minute, they will destroy you. They will just burn your house down. I mean, look at it. You got Landis Gog, you got Ranton, and you obviously have McKinnon. And then you have to deal with Nazem Kadri and JT Comfer and like... All the like they they're so deep. they're a lot like Tampa they're so deep and God you want to talk about a dream matchup for the Stanley Cup Tampa versus Colorado what a series that would be I know we still got a ways to go before that's even a thought but like boy that's what I'm hoping for they're so deep Florida or Tampa versus Colorado would be a magnificent Stanley Cup final yeah it would be amazing I hope we get to that point but like right now sorry St Louis. I know, like, I feel like they could put up a little bit of a fight, like, and I think they could surprise some people, but they're not winning this series. There's no way. And just looking right now at McKinnon, 
in particular. So McKinnon against the Nashville Predators, his shots per game, nine, six, eight, six. <laughs> like, what is he doing out there? He's just so goddamn good. And McCarr crushing it. I was gonna say. Just what a scary team Colorado is. And I, yeah, this one, I think it goes six max. I think the Blues are going to, Craig Berube is going to have to pull out every trick in his book to try and win this series. And I just don't see it going well for them. No. Yeah. Sorry, Craig. Sorry, Braden Shen. It's uh, it's not your year. I have no apologies. You got, you got your cup. It's time to move on. I have no apologies for Braden Shen. Uh, you know, I, I just don't care about it at all. <laughs> Outside of the power play being shittier since he left. That's the only only thing I care about with Braden Shen is the, the power play did degrade without him. But I think that's also just poor coaching on the Flyers part. So we're pretty much in agreement on, on most of these. The only one we really differed on was the, the Lightning and the Panthers. But... It's looking like the Hurricanes should definitely beat the Rangers. That would be shocking if they did not. The Avalanche should absolutely be winning their series against the Blues. And the I can't really see the Oilers beating the Flames either. I'd no. be very surprised if that turned out. So Florida and Tampa Bay is really the wild card here. And it's going to be interesting. I'll say that much. Yeah. No, I'm thinking, I'm thinking we're pretty much right there. You know, I... I want to see Florida get to the next round. Obviously, Giroux needs to get to the cup. But, dude, honestly, like, take Giroux out of it. Like, this is going to be such a fun round. Aside from the Colorado series, like, these are all really fun series. And, like, there's there's fun storylines in each. Like, you got the Battle of Alberta. You got the Battle of Florida. And then you got the Battle of the Tony D'Angelo people. It, it's going to be a lot of fun storylines this series. And I'm, I'm hoping that we get some more Game 7s because, good God, did I forget how much I love those. Didn't the battle of the Tony D'Angelo people happen on January 6th? I believe it did. And I believe that was like a really chippy game too. <laughs> it was chippy. We'll say that much. Yikes. Oh boy. Well, at least, you know, we've got our following interests, but they always seem to differ a little bit from our dear friend, Sam Carcitti, who has his own <laughs> interest that he's following throughout the playoffs. And, you know, I have to give some props over to uh, a Philly guy, 0818, who sent a couple of these Slam and Sammies my way and just some some great gold from our old friend Sam here. So he tweeted out, former Flyers, Braun has played just 828 for NYR and Friedman only 738 for Penguins. What? <laughs> I haven't thought about either of those players since the second they got traded. You know, it's funny with Braun, where he's a guy who we talked about him being one of the Flyers' better defensemen throughout the season, and I really had not given him one iota of thought since he got traded to the Rangers. Not one. No. I, although I will say, like, when he was a Flyer, I like I did like him. It's not like I disliked him or anything. Like, he I was thought perfectly he did his, fine. Yeah, he was fine. He did his job pretty well. Like, he's not. He's literally the least flashy defenseman you could possibly ask for. But like, since he left. At that point, I kind of accepted, oh, well, we're like basically tanking the rest of the year involuntarily. So like, good, get him out of here because he was like actually semi-decent at what he did. So let's remove the good guy. Let us continue being bad and lose for, you know, draft position. And um, I, I literally haven't thought of him at all since he joined the Rangers. I'd like to see him win a cup, but 
Not on the Rangers. <laughs> Sorry yeah, about it. I don't care. You know, I just don't care. There are certain players that were flyers that have not left a mark on me in any way, shape or form. And he's certainly one of them. And Friedman, you know, the only time we talk about Friedman is when we talk about Nolan Patrick beating up on him, which was really funny. And because the thought of Nolan Patrick beating up on anybody is very funny to me. And the other thing is with him, I always like to make fun of him talking about going to live in cranberry and how nice <laughs> yeah. cranberry is compared to dirty ass Philadelphia. I'm just thinking about the game that he played a four at forward. Did he play a game? Was that his last game as a flyer? Didn't he play forward that game? And then they immediately like traded him. I don't remember that at all. Did he play forward? Are we? Yeah, I believe he Nick played Sealer? forward during like one of the outdoor games. <laughs> Mark Friedman, <laughs> like a, a guy, I was uh, mildly upset that they lost on waivers, and then immediately not upset about because he just seemed like such a malcontent. That's right. I forgot that it was. Uh, I thought he got traded. I forgot it was waivers. Yeah, because then Hextall swooped in, got his guy, got his guy, and you know, Sam, Slam and Sammy's out there tracking the minutes, and it's not very many for Mark Friedman, which is not a surprise. I don't know why Sam's tweeting it out there like it's a, a big surprise that Mark Friedman's only getting a handful of minutes each night. He's not a very good defenseman. He's a quad A guy at, at most. He is not a he's not really an NHL defenseman. He's a very good seventh defenseman, I feel like. And that's like his ceiling. Yeah, that's the ceiling. And there's he's nothing never going to be. Yeah, he's never going to be like an every night defenseman. So it's it's very odd to point that out. I don't know. I don't know what information like why he thought that information was useful at all. I don't know either, but he loves to follow X flyers. And we also saw that with the other tweet that a uh, Philly guy 0818 sent me, which was the uh, former flyers goalie needs to eat some cheeseburgers and fries, oh. which was in response to Sergei Bobrovsky posing with Kodak Black's chain. And if you might be asking, why is Kodak Black coming up? Uh, you might remember him from having sex at a Florida Panthers <laughs> game earlier this season. Now, he might have claimed he was dancing. We all know it was actually happening there. But yeah. he went to the locker room and posed with some of the guys. And uh, Bobrovsky is wearing his chain. And Bobrovsky, I think a lot of people... Yeah, well, not a lot, not a lot of people in this case, but people in general are surprised at how skinny goaltenders are. Goaltenders are very, very skinny. Usually you yeah. expect them to be big fat guys because of their padding. And you think they're using up so much room in the net, but no, they're generally skinny because it's such a demanding position. Goaltenders sweat more than anybody else on the ice. Yeah. Like they're hot. They have all those pads on. So they're just sweating constantly and they're moving around so quickly, making explosive movements. Like that's, the hardest kind of thing you can be doing with all that weight on you. So like, yeah, I remember I went into the, um, when I was living in Vegas, I went into the visitor's locker room. They were facing the ducks and I saw John Gibson and I was like really surprised that like he, he wasn't skinny, but he, it was just like, you expect a goalie to be, um, I guess for lack of better phrasing, just a, a bit thicker and like none of them ever are. They're like, I don't even want to say skinny. They're just like very toned, but they're not like bulked. You know what I mean? And, and sometimes they are yeah, skinny. I sometimes like... they're like very skinny. And I think our yeah. expectations are all built because when you're kids, it's like, well, the big guy should be in net, right? That's, that's right. what makes sense. Yeah. Or you think that the Mighty Ducks, Goldberg was uh, 
you know, my brother and being a hefty young man. So I, you know, I think that's where a lot of the expectation comes from, but just a a weird tweet from Sam to be like, well, he he's too skinny. He needs to, what is he like a, an old grandma saying like, Oh, you're too skinny. You need to eat a meal. Love, uh, just, you know, just sometimes you just got to throw a little good, uh, body shaming onto the TL every (laughs) once in a while, just to spice it up. (laughs) I mean, as somebody shaped like the fanatic, I can appreciate a push against body shaming, but it's maybe gritty these days, but it's because uh, I don't have a nose like the fanatic. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Now, it's just a weird tweet from Sam. And there are always weird tweets from Sam. He loves to follow those <laughs> ex-flyers. So he's probably going to write a book about Claude Giroux's like everyday movements. Do you do you remember? I think it was last summer. <laughs> Slam and Sammy just went on Twitter and he just tweeted TV. And that was it. <laughs> like just the just words TV. 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 There was nothing else. He just tweeted the the two letters TV, and no context. And there was never an explanation as to what it was. TV. <laughs> wow, that's the content that people uh, crave. Unintentionally hilarious tweets from old people are just the best. Yeah, I mean, well, he's the king of them. He always he posted at one point. I think it was when Giroux had the tying goal in one of the Caps Panthers games. He posted a, I, I guess, a picture of Claude Giroux on his TV, which I also do sometimes. Uh, except my pictures are much better than his because he had like I don't know the tracking marks or something or the pixelation at the bottom. One of the worst angles. I guess he oh, yeah. went on his first attempt and that was it. <laughs> so speaking of like old dudes tweeting just weird stuff. Um, I know earlier today, Howard Eskin, or maybe it was yesterday, Howard Eskin tweeted, uh, uh, man, what is it with the weather people around here? They said it was going to be storming all day, and I have there's not a cloud in the sky. Where did they get their degrees? Target. And someone responded saying, "Wow, Howard, I I would think that you would relate really well to someone who does a terrible job at their who does terrible at their job consistently." And it just it made me feel really good. I believe that was Chris Jones from the podcast Absolutely Hammered, which is uh, over on our SB Nation sister site. <laughs> uh of the good fight so uh chris jones i i know from philly's twitter from way back so that it was a great response from chris right there he's also gotten, chris, jones. chris has gotten kicked off of twitter i think more than anybody else in history <laughs> and had to make new accounts over and over <laughs> well you know what if that's the reason why he's getting kicked off is making jokes like that i support it I appreciate also that one of the more famous weather people in the Philadelphia area, I guess there's the, the tiers of famous weather people. The top tier is uh, John Belaris, who's also known for being insane on top of that. <laughs> and then also John Belaris known for being insane and for getting roofied by um, uh, Russian prostitutes or something in Florida <laughs> one time, which is a hell of a story. If you've never read it, go check that out. And then there's Hurricane Schwartz, who's known for his bow tie and being called Hurricane, which is a hell of a first name. And then I would say the next on the famous list is Cecily Tynan from 6ABC, who's been there, you know, not as long as Jim Gardner, obviously, but been there forever. And uh, Cecily Tynan had tweeted out, I'm a bit perplexed about the social media attacks on meteorologists this afternoon, hours before <laughs> the cold front even arrived. Remember, a severe thunderstorm watch means there is the potential for severe weather. If the storms don't live up to their potential, that's a good thing. <laughs> I just love Howard's going outside like, where's this goddamn weather? 
<laughs> and then they basically had to just explain to him how weather works, essentially. I couldn't believe that Howard Eskin spelled every word in that tweet right. Because he is the king that never of just jamming out tweets. Just jamming yeah. out that information. That everything misspelled. I feel like he's one of the... He would do very well in like the Tim Panaccio crew. You know, with Slam and Sammy, Tim Panaccio. Who else is in that crew? Like the OG, like the old Flyers beats. Randy J. Miller. Randy J. Miller. Like, I feel like those... Imagine them all together. Oh, boy. That would be trouble. <laughs> I Let's look at some of the, the Howard Eskin greatest hits, which are always good. This is from a Philly Voice article from a couple years back. Let's see. <laughs> Phil, Philly's manager, Jim Girardi, commenting on Astro's weak apology on their chesting. So instead of Joe and cheating, he had Jim and chesting. One of my favorite all times ones is per John Heyman, Clough Lee wants to pick night in 2016. Are you kidding me? So instead of Cliff Lee wants to sign in 2016. Are you kidding me? Clough Lee wants to sign. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Some of the best right there. Uh, firmer Phillies pitcher Cliff Lee wants to pitch in 2016, so he he corrected it with another misspelling. There's something about him. Uh, if Markel Fultz was, some, was from Serbia, he spelt Markel Fultz like so wrong. He spelled it Narkel J Fultz. <laughs> Coming back from ACL injury last season, Phillies left fielder Lawrence McCutcheon in the cage working himself back. Instead of Andrew McCutcheon. Oh, boy. A common mistake I made on McCutcheon, first name. It's Andrew, so go ahead and make this a federal case. The Twitter police can be dopes. Bite it. Someone got a photo of Howard Eskin talking to Bradley Cooper, and Howard Eskin subtweeted, No big deal. We are old friends. (laughs) Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you're old friends. I absolutely believe you. That's the greatest... Howard Eskin is just the like, no big deal to me. He always does that. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, nothing's a big deal. Nothing's a big deal to Howard Eskin because the guy, you know, he wears a fur coat, shows up on the Eagles sidelines whenever he wants. Listen, he makes deals and he breaks news. I don't think I've ever seen this one. I don't trust the process. It's a Ponzio scheme, but you guys were yelling in good fun. (laughs) Ponzio, which is a restaurant in this area. Ponzio scheme. I never know what the context is for any of his doing. Like, it's just, I don't know. He's, I like, he's terrible at his job, but like, I need him to last forever because it's just like, it's fun. It's oh, he's hilarious never, to watch. He's never going away. He's never no. going away. Howard Eskin has been a staple on Philadelphia sports radio forever. Like I talked yeah. about Cecily Tynan being here forever and Jim Gardner, obviously, but Howard Eskin, as long as I can remember, has been in the Philly sports scene and the, you know, his Twitter typos are just gold right here. They're all gold. And I forgot about one of my favorite Nuck Foles. Nuck Foles. And to think media and fans had a question about Nuck Foles starting in playoffs. <laughs> I so forgot funny. all about Nuck Foles. <laughs> I could read these for days. There's so many of them. And it's just, again, none of us are immune from Twitter typos. It's never had an edit button. And frankly, they've talked about getting an edit button. Don't do it because that's how you get comedy gold. Right. Yeah. I could, yeah. Part of me wants it when like I make a spelling error, but like, man, 
when I'm not the one making the errors, it's like it really is the best thing ever not having an edit button. Absolutely is. And he, the funniest thing is I actually I met Howard Eskin once when I was in college. He came in and was nice enough to come talk to my class for a few minutes. And I didn't even know what to ask him because I was shocked he showed up. And I just remembered him from being a hot take artist on the radio. Like we talk about hot takes as if they're a recent phenomenon. But Philadelphia Sports Talk Radio has been doing hot takes for decades at this point. It is Philly Sports Radio invented the hot take. It probably did because it's all about driving this conversation, driving people to just lose their minds and listen in and call in and be like, I got to give Howard my two cents because he's full of shit. And Howard Eskin has been one of the the masters of that. This persona he's put out there is just a a masterful persona that has gotten him a good career. So uh, bravo to Howard and please keep the typos coming. Steve, we have breaking news. And this isn't big breaking news, but it's news nonetheless. Elliot Friedman on Twitter says, hearing Winnipeg is is interviewing Barry Trotz for its coaching position today. And this is notable because Barry Trotz is a noted Manitoban. Oh, well, he's going home. You got to bring him home. Guys just want to go home. Johnny Gaudreau wants to be home. Claude Giroux wants to be home. All these guys, they just want to go home. Fucking dorks. to go to winnipeg they don't have an airport they don't have parks they got nothing barry trotz don't make that mistake they have snow and wheat farms and that's it that's it no airport no parks no nothing you can the only not a lot of people know this the only way to get to winnipeg manitoba you have to ride a moose to get there is that right wow that's the only way that's a fact that i just made up that you can look up on the internet i believe it i totally believe it (laughs) so with trots this is an interesting question you know we talked last week about the possibility of him coming to the flyers obviously it's uh i don't want to call it a long shot but why you know would he want to coach this team and he's already had a tough enough time with the islanders over the past few years why would he want to you know coach this team but that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about like the actual possibilities for him. So Vegas yesterday fired Pete DeBoer, which was pretty shocking to people, but a lot of yeah. people figured that was because they wanted to go after trots because Vegas, for some reason, as Charlie pointed out in the slack, like they're, they're like the pre salary cap flyers where they would just do outrageous shit. Constantly. constantly. They have no chill. They're constantly doing just insane stuff. And they're in on every free agent, every big name that's out there. They want it. And yeah, it's very reminiscent of the old Flyers. Yeah. And even to a, a, a further degree, because they're making this work with the salary cap, which I don't understand. Like how they I don't, I don't get it at all. They're doing salary cap gymnastics every year. Like just getting Mark Stone back on the active roster when he was on LTIR, they had to like jump through so many hoops to make it work. And they did. And it's just, I don't know how they're doing it. They added Petrangelo and Eichel, which is just insane to me. It doesn't make any sense how this team can keep doing this stuff. How do they keep getting away with it? But they here they are getting away with it. That's our Vegas Golden Knights for you. And now Trotz is being talked about for them. But you, I think you're really just going to see the coaching dominoes go. Uh, so the Islanders let go of Trotz. And then they promoted one of the assistant coaches to head coach. I forget his name offhand. But I just remember he sounded like an off-brand Marvel superhero. And I believe his name is Lane Lambert. There it is. Off-brand, I guess from Marvel, Quebec, they came up with that one. Lane, yeah. Lane Lambert. And so I I, I don't know if, I guess Trotz, if he really likes to go home, he could go to Winnipeg. But I would much prefer the Vegas job because if you want to talk about a team that can compete 
for a cup, well, at least if they get consistent goaltending again, that was <laughs> what a huge mistake giving away the Vesna winning goaltender was. It's almost as if they shouldn't have done that. Really, really weird. But you know what? Like, my thing with Vegas is I still don't quite understand the whole like firing of DeBoer because he took them to the semifinals two years in a row. This year, they didn't make the playoffs for the first time in franchise history, which, like, I get, like, you're frustrated, but that wasn't a result of poor coaching. It was a result of injuries. They lost Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, Riley Smith, all to, like, very serious, significant injuries that cost them, like, decent chunks of the year. I wouldn't necessarily blame this on Pete DeBoer, and I'm surprised that they fired him. And that's what leads me to believe, like, why would they fire DeBoer? I feel like they only fire him if they feel like they have a legit shot at getting Barry Trotz, who, by all accounts, is probably the best coach actively in the NHL right now. Yeah, I think that's agreed upon consensus right there. And the thing about DeBoer is they fired Gallant midseason yeah. to bring on DeBoer in the first place. I, and I still don't get that decision either. I still don't understand why they can Gallant when they did and I flat out hate them for doing that because Gallant then went to the Rangers and has made something out of nothing with them yeah no it's been terrible but I mean Vegas is weird because they just keep getting these unbelievable head like really really good head coaches and they just go through them like socks and it's like I I don't know what the situation like why they there's no uh I don't know And, and it's not even coaches either though it's like Marc-Andre Fleury, too. Like, it seems like the loyalty isn't quite there. And like they just have to keep making these changes over and over and over again. So I don't, I don't know what the deal is there. It's very strange. How many coaches in how many years of existence have they had now? Uh, so it's been about five years, and they're about to hire their third head coach. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's just stupid. It's... For comparison's sake, Barry Trotz was the first head coach in Nashville Predators history. He was with the Predators for 15 years. <laughs> Come on. Oh, my God. That's, and are you like you think about like uh, Lindy Ruff, right? Like Lindy Ruff was with the Sabres forever. Yeah. And yeah. Three I don't know what it is. Vegas just likes to go through these big names. Three coaches in five years and all good coaches. It's insane. Yeah. I feel like, like, I've said this a little bit before. Vegas is like, when I moved there, I kind of got to know the city, city a little bit better. And, like, the people there, like, they'll even admit that they're, like, a pretty fair-weather city when it comes to sports. So, like, maybe that's kind of, like, the Golden Knights thing. They're just like, well, you know what? Let's just keep changing shit and, like, just keep fans engaged that way. So then, like, no matter what happens, we're never boring. We're a show on the ice and even off the ice during the offseason. So, like, maybe that's what their whole ideology is right now. The problem is that's going to come to bite them in the ass eventually because there are so oh, many yeah. guys that, that want stability. Did you see the, the Chris Pronger thread on the experience of getting traded the other day on Twitter? I did not see that, and I wanted to read it, but I didn't end up doing it. Yeah, definitely go check it out. It's worth your time. I know some people will give Pronger some shit on these threads. Like uh, when he talked about, I forget what the previous one was about, maybe just about like budgeting for a player or something like that. But I think it's really interesting as somebody who I don't, I'm not a hockey player. I don't know what the experience is like. So for me, it's fascinating to see this whole process play out. So I'm glad Chris is putting that information out into the world and just talking about, you know, having to get to know a new city and 
the anxiety associated with that and the new expectations from the fans and everything like that. A lot of players want stability. I mean, part of the reason Claude Giroux was so torn up about getting traded away and, and allowing himself to be traded away is he's been here forever. He had been in Philadelphia his entire career and stability, especially when you're raising a family, you're starting a family is a really important thing for these guys. Yeah, no. And that's, I think what kind of um, really, hurt Marc-Andre Fleury when they just decided to just give him away. He loved Vegas. My God, they, he was the face of the, of that franchise from the second they picked him in the expansion draft. He had the city in the palm of his hand. He's never buying a drink or anything in that town ever again. And out of nowhere, after winning the Vesna, what more could he have, could he have done for that city, for that town? They trade him away just unceremoniously. Like that leads us, it, it's a sour taste in your mouth. And now it's just like, that totally changes his whole entire perspective on the city of Vegas, even though, well, I shouldn't say that. He probably still likes Vegas, but like it changes his perspective on the team, the franchise, I'm sure. I don't know, you know, he, he's never, Fleury's not the kind of guy to say something about, you know, a team negatively. But you have to imagine that that, that like players take notice of that stuff, I feel like. And, you know, if they see a team like Vegas just, you know, trading guys away for just on a whim, no rhyme or reason, just doing it just to do it, they're probably like, eh, maybe I should stay away from there because I'm 26 years old. I have a wife. She's about to have our first child. Like maybe, you know, maybe going there isn't a great idea. Maybe I should go somewhere else. Yeah. And the little things mean stuff to these free agents. They all talk to each other. Like would they're deciding where to sign they'll talk to other guys who were there or who have been there and say how's your experience and how yeah. stable are these things so th- this is a big consideration for these guys so if i was vegas i i would watch out and as a flyers fan i can't even fathom having a vesna winning goalie let alone trading away that vesna <laughs> trading winning goalie him yeah right after winning the vesna <laughs> uh some people have it so good and they don't know it till it's gone you don't know what you got till it's gone you know and then I, I will, I'd say good luck to Vegas, but they've had enough luck already, so fuck them. Yeah, yeah. No, they'll be just fine. I'm not concerned about they'll, them at all. They'll be just fine. I'm not concerned about them. All right, two more things, and we got to wrap up because it's going longer than I anticipated it to go. First, I wanted to mention congrats to Kevin Hayes for being a finalist for the Masterton Trophy. We have talked about how yes. weird it is that they even give an award away like they do for the <laughs> Masterton. It's very weird to kind of judge who's... Uh, I guess more worthy of having a more tragic past year or something like that. But regardless, congratulations to Kevin Hayes on that. But uh, who, who are the other nominees for the Masterton this year? I believe it's Carrie Price. And then there's someone else. I can't remember who the third person is. Oh, it's the Daniel Chara because he's just old. Oh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's more of like a congratulatory thing for him, honestly. Right. It's like a gold watch when you retire. <laughs> Yeah, very odd award. I, I don't quite get it. It's every year. It's it's kind of like how during the NFL draft, whenever they bring up a prospect, it's just like, oh, what a good kid. Here, let me tell you the story about how his whole family died in a plane crash. And right. then it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you don't have to do all this. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Thanks, but no thanks. I just here he is, the most tragic man. It it kind of sucks in a way, but. I, you know, I, I, it is an honor and at the same, it is good to honor these guys who have had 
uh, just such terrible times. I remember when Oscar Lindblom was up for it. It was just the, the whole field was completely stacked with people who just had the most tragic years you can imagine. And yeah. I almost feel like we should be giving away a number of these to people just to say like, Hey, we appreciate what you've been through and you coming through it for this sport and, you know, ultimately being a positive story with uh, such negative things. And we've talked before about what Kevin Hayes has been through with his brother and with his injuries over the past season. And, the fact that he's he's still out there playing hockey and he's still as positive an influence on this team as he is. And, you know, Kevin Hayes is a guy you really he's very easy to root for uh, because he's such a, a positive hockey person to follow. And just you, really your heart goes out to him for everything that he's been through. Yeah, it's it's been a rough year for him, the the Flyers in general. But like for him, I can't even imagine what he been he's been through and. I will say it has been really cool seeing the whole hockey world come together for the Hayes family after that tragedy. Like it's, it's just good to know that it is a tight knit community. And um, for the most part, everyone really supports each other. So I'm glad that he has had so many good people in his corner. And um, yeah, I mean, obviously you don't want someone to win the master. It's almost like, like you don't want someone to win the masters. It's, it's a weird thing, but like, I guess if it's an award, like, sure, I hope Kevin Hayes gets it. But um, regardless, that doesn't take away what he's been through this year. And I'm just happy that he seems to be, uh, um, you know, in good spirits despite everything that's happened. Yeah, absolutely. So this brings us to our final feature. And this has been a, a couple weeks delayed here. But just to, to recap here. So James Minger had brought up the the whole basis of this game, which is basically to build a Franken team between the Flyers and another sub 500 team in the league and basically see if you can make a good playoff capable team between the two of them. And when we just, when we spoke last uh, or two weeks ago, I think it was at this point, you would pick the Detroit Red Wings. I picked the Anaheim Ducks. And I, I think you're going to have the better roster of the two of these, but I am curious to see how these shake out. So, all right. So my whole thing was I wanted to, if I'm going to combine a roster between the Flyers and another below 500 team, I wanted to have as much young talent as possible. So I looked at the Detroit Red Wings and figured, you know what? They got Moritz Sider. They've got uh, Lucas Raymond. Um, you got Pia Suter. I, say what you will about him. He's a bit of a moron, but Tyler Bertuzzi, you got Dylan Larkin, Jacob Verana. They got good young players and good young talent. And then that's not even the end of it. Then you also have um, one of their top, one of the really the top best young defensemen in hockey coming up, Simon Edmondson. He was drafted in the first round a couple of years ago, and he is looking like one of the, like him and Cider together, it's going to be just ridiculous out of this world. I figure you take those players, put them together with the flyers and it all fits under the cap because they're all on entry level contracts. So it's like <laughs> you still have time to go out and go get Johnny Goudreau. And then you can go pick up, you know what? That gives you the ability to go get um, Nazem Kadri and overpay him a little bit. It gives you the ability to do that. And I don't know. I think that'd be fun to have those guys mixed with this young talent that is up and coming. How much salary cap space did you have left from your team? I believe I still haven't counted Kadri and stuff, but like. <laughs> Before Kadri. Like 
30 million. Oh, wow. Okay. So you even had like, an insane amount. Yeah. You had a better one than I had. So I, I combined it with the ducks. I ended up having a $70,293,898 cap hit, uh, which left me with a, you know, more or less like 11 mil to sign somebody, which yeah. should be in the ballpark for Johnny Gaudreau. We got it. We could move some contracts around if we had to for the flying ducks, but so, okay, so it works out. Basically, I still have the same top line, Couturier, Atkinson, and Farabee. Uh, second line then would be uh, Trevor Zegras, uh, Troy Terry, and Travis Konechny, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Third line, Kevin Hayes, Sonny Milano, and Adam Henrique, which is a pretty good third line right there. I, I kind of like that third line. That second line is interesting because it's all players whose name starts with Tra. Ah, that's okay. I, I I think my brain picked up on that and was just like, well, they belong together. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what the nickname of that would be. But... The trucking line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Trevor Zegras, Troy Terry, and Travis Connecting. That'd be a fun line. They're trucking, baby. And then my fourth line was uh, Scott Lawton. <laughs> I threw Gerald Mayhew in there, but it'll probably be uh, Lundestrom from the Ducks and uh, Oscar Lindblom. I just wanted I mean... Mayhew back because I liked him. How can you not include a future Flyers Hall of Famer? How can you not for his, what, five games played? It probably, it probably like 20 games, right? He played, I think he played more than people think, but I don't know, man. He was, he was a fun little player. I know he wasn't like a game changer or anything, but I enjoyed him. And then on defense, this is of course a best case scenario here. I had Ryan Ellis and Cam Fowler on the top pairing, which I like a lot. I exiled Ivan Provorov in this because, uh, you know, he, he's just tired of his glory stories being written out there. So I exiled <laughs> Ivan Provorov. Uh, then I had Shattenkirk and Sanheim on the second pairing, which I like a lot. And then on the third pairing, I had Jamie Drysdale and Cam York with Ronnie Adderd sitting in the press box. Very nice. I think that's, yeah. And then in net, a big fan of that, that in net, C- Carter Hart and Anthony Stellars bringing them home, baby. Yeah, and that for me, it was uh, it's Nadelkovich and Hart, which is like a really good like one A one B type situation. Yeah, I like that a lot. So overall, I think I I so I like my combined Flyers Ducks team, but it it's still not like a competitor, right? I feel like this it's an upgraded team, but it's probably still towards the bottom of the playoff standings for the Eastern conference. But it's not like, I feel like that's the kind of team that like in a couple of years would be really good though. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. yeah. You yeah. could do a lot more having this combined talent than you would necessarily with the flyers today where, you know, I've got Scott Lawton and Kevin Hayes on the bottom two center yeah. spots. And for the flyers today, I mean, especially with Sean Couturier's recent injuries, they're your top two guys. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, um, you know, I feel like the way I'm thinking about this right now, I'm like treating it as if it's actually happened. (laughs) I'm starting to actually make this fantasy world like legitimate. And you know what the problem is with mine is I use the current salary caps and I really should have used next seasons because Joel Farabee jumps up considerably. I think that's a four mil difference right there in cap space, maybe slightly more. And Sean Couturier Couturier is, yeah, Sean Couturier is like a three mil difference. So that's a nice chunk of that 11 million cap space right there. That's why those ELC ELC contracts, baby, they they came into uh, they came handy for me. Well, and that's why if you're a GM, if you can make it work with that combination of you know prime aged players and some 
smart rookie acquisitions coming in and contributing immediately. That's your sweet spot to try and win. Yeah, exactly. That's why you look at teams like, um, you know, Tampa Bay, they had a lot of good young talent for a while that were on entry level contracts. And it's just, it works out for teams and you can see it when, you know, GMs are doing the job right. And they kind of time it perfectly where they bring in high level, like experienced players that they can sign to big contracts because they have good young depth too. And then it just turns out to be stacked teams. So yeah, that's just a sign of a good GM. All right. Well, I guess the, so I, I think our consensus is though, ultimately the, the Phil Troit or is it the Detroit Adelphia orange wings are, are going to beat the Anadelphia flying ducks. I, I think it's closer than we think. Yeah. Wait, would you not include uh, John Gibson on your goalie? I did Tim? not for salary reasons. Oh boy. Because I figured there could only be one. And how old is Gibson at this point? Like, not that old. Maybe I should have put Gibson in there over Hart. But I feel I've, I didn't want to pay both goaltenders starting goalie salaries. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the. the John Gibson's 28. He's 28. I do like John Gibson a lot, but I also feel like he's had a lot of injury problems lately. Yeah, he hasn't been, uh, you know, the beacon of health or anything like that, but. Definitely a, definitely a solid player. Yeah, definitely a solid player. I, I like John Gibson a lot. I want him to actually escape from Anaheim and go to a team where he can win today. Yeah, that would be cool. Although at the same time, like part of me wants him to stick around in Anaheim because I do feel like they're going to get like a good turnaround here going because they got some really good young talent there. And like I kind of want to see it play out the right, like the way I'm hoping it does. Oh, for sure. And what this all comes down to, I just want goddamn Trevor Zegras. Like, I, I, I know. <laughs> I think he's so much fun. I think he's just such a great player for the future of the NHL and the the right kind of face this league needs moving forward. How long do you think it would take before like old bullies people start demanding that he get traded? Oh, immediately. We've got <laughs> such a disparity right now between what the old guard wants and what younger fans want. And yeah. I mean, ultimately, nobody's satisfied with where the Philadelphia Flyers franchise is right now. But there is a huge disparity between what both sides want. Yeah. Well, maybe one day we'll find out. Maybe one day the Flyers will trade for Zegras. No, they won't. They'll never do that. Ch- Chuck, if you're listening to this, get some goddamn talent. I don't care. about <laughs> Do anything. Yes. Anymore. I don't care anymore. And this is all apologies to Zach McEwen because he was fun to watch people beat up this year. And hey, I saw him in Center City the other day. Oh, wow. But wow. McEwen like is fun, but he's not a guy who's going to win you any hockey games at the end of the day. He's like not good at hockey fun. Right. right. Which Trevor Zegras is fun because he's good at hockey. McEwen is fun because... He's not good at hockey, and he knows it, so he beats the shit out of people instead, which is objectively great fun. I'm perfectly fine having one guy like that on the roster. Just yeah, I'm, one, I'm fine with that, too. Nobody more than that. But ultimately, I think this shows the Flyers still need more top-end talent. And really, you know, the way I, I had it, I had the Katori atkinson Farabee top line, but, I mean, you could probably pop terry or zegras up there and either one of them would be dynamite because they're both fantastic hockey players yeah no i agree i think that'd be god i just want any bit of of like high-end talent but like thinking of thinking of like zegras online with couturier god 
Couturier Giroux Zegras together. That would be wild, but like obviously that can't happen now. Oh man. How about how about Couturier Giroux Voracek? Imagine a line like that. <laughs> I just wow, want Sean that's Couturier. something of our dreams. I just want Sean Couturier to be healthy again. Because so many people are hating on Sean Couturier right now, and I hate that. I hate that people are acting like Sean Couturier is just this washed up piece of shit. And I want him to just come back and just prove everybody wrong and dominate. It makes no sense to me at all. Like it's it's very bizarre. Like if like anyone if anyone who thinks that needs to like truly seek help. They like he got hurt and all of a sudden he's terrible. Oh, now he's injury prone in their their minds. He's just completely he's just going to be injury. He's just going to be injured for the rest of his career in their minds. No, that's Jesus. Yeah, no. They, they, see this is the problem with some of the fans in this fan base. Like they just they immediately go to the worst possible place. It's the same people who say Ryan Ellis is never going to play ever again. Oh yeah. And like, I can at least buy your negativity on that based on how little we know about Ryan Ellis as Philadelphia Flyers fans. And the fact that he was around so little, but Sean Couturier was constantly around the clubhouse, like constantly around the locker room. He was involved with this team and this guy bleeds orange and black. There is no reason to give Sean Couturier shit. So I just want Mr. Chestnut Checkers to come back and just kick everybody's ass. Goddamn right. With that dude, I don't know why, but like the gap in his teeth, like every, like there aren't enough players like that anymore. I feel like players are like getting little caps for their teeth now. And I don't like that. Oh, yeah. I still and like he... it when players are missing teeth. And Sean Couturier is missing like the first four in his top row of teeth. And it's like badass as hell. He embraces that Bobby Clark, and you gotta love that. That's the one piece of Bobby Clark I want this modern franchise to embrace. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. no, it's awesome. Yeah, and just... Well, Sean Couturier, he even... I think he got that when he was, like, just starting with the Flyers, like, 19 or something like that. And he's been a Flyer since he was a teenager. It's ridiculous. Yeah, he's a lifetime Flyer, definitely. Yeah. Like it or not, he's gonna probably retire a Flyer, too. Yeah, I like it. I want him... Prove everybody wrong, Sean. Come on. You got this, Goots. Oh, he doesn't have to prove me wrong. I'm fully on board. All right, folks. Well, that's all we got, and it was plenty. Thanks so much for listening. If you have any feedback for us, the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca. You can reach Ryan at... (laughs) Where can they find you, Ryan? At Ryan Quiggs. Oh, wow. Anything you want to plug for the people right now? Anything you're working on? Uh, nothing too crazy, just uh, at Nights on Ice, where I'm covering the Vegas Golden Knights, we are going to start a play report card series. So if for whatever reason you're interested in reading about how the Golden Knights players did this past year, we will have you covered. And then, uh, honestly, just like stay tuned in at Nights on Ice just because it's the Golden Knights and they're always doing just insane shit constantly. So we'll have lots of content on it. All right, good shit. We will be on the lookout for that. You can reach me at Flyperbole or at Bomb, but if it's for hockey purposes, make it Flyperbole. Follow Broad Street Hockey, follow BSH Radio, follow Broad Street Hockey on all sorts of social media. Like, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Oh, rate, I guess, is the thing you should put in there with subscribe. You know, it's, it's hard to remember these things in my old age, but I'm still somehow chugging along. Folks, support women's health, okay? You know what I'm talking about. Donate, protest, whatever you gotta do. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Most of the time we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. 
But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Support for this episode came from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Last year, you may have made some smart decisions, and you may have made some not-so-smart decisions, like going all in on that one crypto exchange. The good news is making smart financial decisions is easier than you think. Smart Wallet's Smart Money Podcast has the weekly know-how you need to get ahead. Sean and Sarah, the hosts of Smart Money, break down the latest financial news and give you honest, objective money advice. Subscribe to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.